Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz and I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for tuning in for what is our last episode in the year 2020. We'll be taking a four-day break and we'll be coming back to you on Monday, January 4th. So I hope everyone enjoys their New Year's Eve tomorrow and New Year's Day on Friday. I hope everyone is doing well tonight. Welcome. Uh, like I said, I hope everyone is enjoying their evening or morning, depending where in the world you guys are located. Um, taking phone calls tonight. So if you guys want to call into the show, uh, if you're inside the United States, the number is 718-509-9270. If you're outside the U.S., you can use Skype. Look us up under Dead Talk Live. We're the only ones with that name. And use Skype, and it's a free Skype-to-Skype -Skype call. And for anybody who's thinking about making prank calls, I will be screening phone calls before I actually let you hear your own voice on the air. Yeah, I finally came up with a solution on how to get rid of some of those uh, 10, 11, 12-year-olds who would like to play those prank calls. So just a little heads up on that. Anyway, uh... You know, let's just get started with the news today. There is some headlines out there that we should go over and review. So let's get started, okay? Now, this should come as no surprise, but the Walking Dead movies that are going to be starring Rick Grimes are going to be rated R. Now, I'm sure the Walking Dead universe, Scott Gimple in particular, would have liked a PG-13 rating, but at the end of the day, uh, the, I mean, the amount of gore that we see on the TV show, it's probably going to be amplified. And I don't think that's what's going to give it the R rating. Uh, I think the language that we're going to see in the movie, where we're actually going to get to see Rick Grimes uh, use the F word and a whole bunch of other words a lot more freely because it is a movie. Uh, I think that is the main reason as to why it's getting the R rating even before they've even started shooting. Did And trust me, I think it's because of the language. Uh, we have seen a lot of gore on the TV show. I mean, can you guys really think of a way that they amplify the gore so much that the R rating is just strictly from the visual scenes? I think it has all to do with the language. Uh, so, which presumably means a lot of violence, blood, and gore. No, it's the language. Trust me on this. And we imagine that the Walking Dead fans wouldn't have it any other way. Unfortunately, the tipster doesn't offer up anything else. But if true, then this is certainly encouraging to hear. Now, what do you guys think? you think it's getting the R rating because of increased violence, blood, and gore? Uh, come on. We've been watching this show for a very long time. And we have seen... I mean, just go to back Season 7, Episode 1, when we saw uh, Abraham and Glenn's head being bashed in. They did not hold back. They did not hold back on the amount of gore they showed us in just that one particular episode. So them ramping it up even more, I just cannot imagine it. 
CC Wheezy has a good point. Language and nudity. Oh, boy. Maybe we're going to get to see Andrew Lincoln's bare butt. Uh, I don't think our, you know, our team member Summer is watching, but damn, she would love to see that. But yeah, nudity, probably. We are going to see some nudity, some stripped down prisoners, uh, and who knows, for <laughs> all you guys, all the Andrew Lincoln fans out there, you got, you actually may get to see his bare butt. <laughs> it just sounds funny hearing me say that. Uh, Singer Chick writes, I don't know, 7.1 should have been uh, R-rated in my opinion, so should the one with Jadis put her friends through the grinder? That was really bad. Well, TVs don't go by the uh, the R-PG-13. They have the TV uh, mature audience, MA, and then below it will list you whether it's language uh disturbing scenes or so on so the tv rating system is completely different from the film rating system so again is this going to go straight to amc premiere is it actually going to make it to theaters like i said a while ago i think it's going to be split i think they're going to do it the way they did it with wonder woman 1984 where it's going to get a limited theatrical release and be available on AMC Premiere as well. Khaleesi writes, I think when Jesus broke into the room with Michonne and Rick in bed, they both jumped up and showed their butts. Ah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Singer Chick writes, I meant if they had been in a movie, they should have been an R rating. Yep. Want to welcome Jennifer and John Wesley, who's uh, with us on Facebook. It's nice to see you guys again. Welcome. Want to welcome uh, Carlo, who's with us on Instagram. Eight is also with us. Le uh, Leonard is also joining us. Manchumar is giving us a thumbs up on Instagram. So welcome to all our Instagram people. So let's go on to the next thing. Uh, check out this poster. All right. This is pretty cool. Walking Dead Season 11 fan poster hypes the war between the CRM and Commonwealth. So this is a fan poster. I have said this before on this show. I do not believe the CRM and the Commonwealth are ever going to cross paths. Whether it's on the, the TV show, any of the shows, or in the movies. So this is nice. Great piece of Photoshop work. Uh, putting the uh, laser tag outfit Commonwealth people on the right. And then, of course, the, uh, you know, super high-tech CRM outfits, uh, uniforms on the left. Facing off with the title, The Walking Dead, New Season Returns in 2021. The Walking Dead Season 11 fan poster hypes a coming war between the Commonwealth and the CRM. It's not going to happen. The 11th season of the AMC zombie apocalypse drama figures to be the biggest ever as it's set to be the final go-around for the venerable series. Of course, The Walking Dead still has to finish up season 10. I guess 10C is what they're talking about, which is going into round of six bonus episodes after COVID disrupted the show's production. The Walking Dead indeed will have plenty of business to deal with 
when Season 11 finally gets underway. After the epic events that went down in the sort of Season 10 finale, and it was the Season 10 finale, the biggest event of the episode in terms of the wider Walking Dead universe was, of course, the arrival of the Commonwealth, the vast and well-organized community depicted in the Walking Dead comics, but never previously introduced on the show. The first hint of the Commonwealth was dropped on the show when Eugene began communicating by radio with a mysterious woman named Stephanie, later organizing an expedition to meet up with her. In the finale, Eugene's group, including Princess and Ezekiel, finally encountered the armored soldiers of the Commonwealth. And I forgot to mention Yumiko. Uh, Eleanor Matsura, who plays Yumiko, was also there as well. More is sure to be revealed about the Commonwealth and their soldiers in the upcoming Season 10 bonus episode, Splinter, which sees Princess and Ezekiel trying to escape their captors, with even more being revealed in Season 11. It remains to be seen how big a role the new and potentially dangerous community will play in the 11th season, but fan artist John Curtin sees them getting into the thick of the action by going up against another group that's become uh, prominent in The Walking Dead lore, and that is, of course, the Civic Republic Military, the CRM. Uh, so here's the poster again. It's great artwork, but in my opinion, guys, I really do not see the CRM crossing path with the Commonwealth. As we learned in World Beyond, uh, the CRM consists of well over 200,000 people. According to the comic books, uh, comic books, the Commonwealth only has 50,000 people whether they decide to go that route on the TV show or vastly expand the Commonwealth to equal the CRM, or they could go the other way and make it a lot less than 50,000. Either way, the CRM, there is nobody, no group that we have seen on The Walking Dead that can go head-to-head with the CRM. They've got the weapons, they've got gas, they have the technology, they have everything. And Alexandria, Hilltop, the Commonwealth, they are no match for the CRM. At best, what they can do is fight some kind of like a guerrilla war where they go and sabotage them whenever they can. So other than that, I I don't think it's going to go that way. I don't think the show, I don't think the writers are going to go in that direction uh, you know, and it'd be really unrealistic if you see the CRM ultimately getting defeated by, you know, our survivors. Uh, let's see. Sammy is with us. Welcome, Sammy. Sammy's asking, I hope, uh, hope that I'm doing well. I am. I hope you're doing well too, Sammy. Uh, Lindsay on Facebook writes, I agree with you, Viz, but very cool poster. Philip also loves the poster. I love the poster. That's great artwork, and I always appreciate great Photoshop work. And this is great Photoshop work uh, put together 
and I can only imagine the amount of time it took to create this. So full full props to the creator of this poster. Now, next on our list is the worst Walking Dead death of 2020. And this is from Undead Walking, as you can see. Uh, Beta, uh, he went the way he wanted to go. He went with uh, the Guardians, his Guardians, uh, initiating them into his group officially. Not having to wear a fake mask anymore. Whether they left any part of him left to actually become a zombie, I have no idea. There was quite a few hungry uh, flesh eaters surrounding him in that picture. Uh, whether they left any enough around for him to reanimate, who the hell knows. Uh, Want to welcome Patricia, who is with us on Facebook. Thank you for joining us, Patricia. So what this says, deaths are bound to happen in The Walking Dead, but what was the worst of 2020? The first thing you might have noticed about this article, as opposed to my best deaths article, is that I don't have five deaths. In fact, the title doesn't even mention more than one. This is because after looking back, I can't really think of four more deaths to add to the list. This isn't to say that there weren't other bad deaths this year in the Walking Dead universe, but if I'm being honest, considering the level of prominence the characters on the wrong end of these deaths had, their deaths fit. Most of the other characters I could think of who have had very underwhelming deaths this year, while yes, their deaths were underwhelming, the characters themselves were not going anywhere. It's not likely they were gaining prominence in their respective shows or had a great deal of storylines specific to them. So I can't imagine anyone was expecting them to have the sort of powerful, dramatic deaths that a more important character would deserve. Basically, you get the death equal of your level of importance on your respective show. So while the deaths were bad, they weren't bad enough for me to really care about. Okay. One person whose death I did care about was quite frankly one of, if not the most important death of this year's season of The Walking Dead, Beta. As much as Alpha, the villain, of the season 10 Walking Dead, Beta was right there behind her. I said earlier this year that this season, Beta truly came into his own as a villain. He was no longer just a henchman. He was the monster our heroes needed to fear. Definitely agree with that. And in the last quarter of the season, was the villain the one trying to destroy everybody? Who do you think, guys, got a better death? Alpha at the hands of Negan or Beta, who was put down by Daryl, but was really ended by his guardians? Who do you think got the better death? I know a lot of people loved how Negan took out Alpha. I loved how Negan took out Alpha. I loved how they stuck to the comics in that respect. Uh, 
so between alphas and betas death for me i would have to go with alpha the fact that negan was the one that sliced her throat and you could really tell as she fell into his arms and he was holding her as she was bleeding to death he really you know he felt something for her i'm not saying he was in love with her he was not in love with her but he respected her uh he really really respected her lisa on facebook writes alphas by far uh philip also says i liked how alpha died uh philip also wrote i would never thought about alpha and beta yeah, I think Alpha got the best death, and Beta had a good second behind him. Sadly, his death did not reflect that. In the season finale, as Daryl, Carol, Negan, Jerry, Luke, Magna, Kelly, Beatrice, uh, Jules, and Lydia tried to lead the Whisperer Horde away from the hospital, they were confronted by the few remaining whisperers led by Beta. Casualties were had on both sides before Beta came to blows with Negan and was killed after Daryl stabbed him in the eyes, which drew some of the walkers to surround and consume him, as he accepted and has always accepted becoming one of them. And make no mistake about it, Daryl was the one that stabbed Beta, but if it wasn't for Negan, that would have never happened. So I give Beta's death the credit for Beta's death. I give it primarily to Negan. It was a team effort, but I would give it more to Negan than Daryl. So Negan was the hero who did put down or played a huge role in putting down Beta in the season 10 finale. The article goes on to say, don't get me wrong, seeing Daryl stab Beta in the eyes looked very cool, but overall his death was anticlimactic. I don't really think so. I think he got a great death, just not as great as Alpha's. After all the things we've seen Beta survive, to see him go out like this made him look like a chump. A chump. It felt like if he could get taken down this easily, why hadn't someone done this to him earlier? It's not that simple. Think back to his first confrontation with Daryl in Season nine's Choke Point. He and Daryl beat the crap out of each other. Daryl stabbed him in the chest and threw him down an elevator shaft. And what did Beta do? He got up. And to get, you can't blame Daryl for that. He stabbed him and he kicked him down an elevator shaft. Most people would be dead. But Beta is a giant and he probably landed just the right way. And he survived that fall. Uh, a guy that big is not going to be easy to kill. Uh, especially in hand-to-hand -hand combat. So I don't, I don't agree with it being anticlimactic. I like it. Like I said, I like the fact that it was a team effort between Daryl and Negan that ultimately took down Beta. Uh, he got up and just stared at where Daryl had been standing, 
a look on his face that said, oh, you done screwed up now, <laughs> and plainly obvious that their business was far from over. Just imagine if Beta's death had been a proper continuation of that fight. Imagine Beta prob properly fighting Negan, trying to use his size and strength to choke the life out of the man who killed Alpha before seeing before being interrupted by Daryl stabbing Beta in the kidneys or something. The kidneys? Hell no, you go straight for the head. This guy is not going to go down easy. And, you know, we had Greg Nicotero uh, the day after that uh, finale aired on this show. And the way that it was explained, a lot of people asked, how the hell did Beta survive getting two huge-ass uh, knives into his eyeballs? And the way Greg described it was that when Daryl stabbed him, the knives went down as opposed to going into the brain so that's why he was able to get up pull the knives out of his skull but was ultimately consumed by the walkers that surrounded him uh so it goes on to say then beta would turn his attention to daryl fighting through his injuries throwing hands with daryl pulling one of daryl's knives out of his kidneys and preparing to stab him in the throat before getting cracked in the head with Lucille by Negan opening the door for Daryl to grab... Man, they played out this whole scenario. They completely wrote their alternate fan fiction ending on how Beta should have died before getting cracked in the head with Lucille by Negan opening the door for Daryl to grab his knives and then stab Beta in the eyes. After that, the death carries on as we saw, with the herd surrounding Beta and consuming him. But this time, instead of Beta, instead of Beta just accepting it, he tries to soldier on, trying to listen for Daryl and continuing to attack. With the last we see of him being his hands reaching out for Daryl before the herd finally takes him down. Now, granted, that's an interesting way for Beta to go, okay? It's a big, you know, Daryl stabbing Beta in the kidneys, uh, Negan bashing Beta over the head with Lucille, uh, you know, Beta pulling the knife out of his kidneys, finally putting him down by stabbing him in the eyes and being consumed. That's, it's, it's nice. It's, you know, I'm not putting it down. Uh, but I also like what, what we got to see on the screen as well. You know, the way it was done with the part with Negan and Daryl having to partner up. And those two are not the best of friends. Let's keep in mind, uh, Daryl still does not trust Negan, and Daryl is bitter at the fact that Negan is actually showing signs that he is not the person that he once was. So, anyway, uh, Lindsay writes, um, Beta is a big dude, so he does not die easy, and it was a great death. Lisa on Facebook writes, I think most people would have liked to have seen 
more of a fight with Beta, Daryl, and Negan. Exactly. And that's what this article is pointing out. Exactly that. Want to say hello to Yeshu, who's waving at us. Uh, Selma is also with us on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. So, anyway, it goes on to say that is the death a villain like Beta deserved? One which put on display how badass and dangerous of a character he was while letting us see him go down fighting with uh, the two most important rivals, Daryl and Negan, and letting both play roles in his downfall while still having his death formally come at the hands of the very guardians he held so dearly. Yet, that is not the death that Beta got. Instead, he scuffled with Negan and Daryl for about a minute or two, got one cool moment of being stabbed in the eyes, and then just accepted it. Let's not forget that flashback. As he got the uh, knives in the eyes, he had his whole flashback from the time he met Alpha till the time she died, which showed us as fans and viewers how important Alpha was to Beta. Uh, and that's an understatement right there. So many other villains in The Walking Dead, Shane, the governor, Gareth, Alpha, got deaths which fit them in their own way, but Beta just got one that seemed rushed, like the showrunners realized the episode was approaching its runtime, and someone said, wrap it up, we gotta go. Now, there was a lot of loose ends that they had to tie up in that season 10 finale, okay? Connie, Beta, you know, the whole horde, uh, and a bunch of other loose ends. Maggie, uh, and they did rush through a lot of them, especially in the first opening minutes before we got to see the credits roll in the beginning. We never got to see how Aaron and Alden got freed from being surrounded by the Whisperers. Yeah, we saw the masked ninja person come in, but it looked like they had already gotten free and were fighting their way out before that dude showed up. Now, for me, that's more of a disappointment than seeing the time and energy they put into Beta's death. Uh, so, anyway... Want to welcome J.D. Smith on Twitch saying, is this a Walking Dead stream or all things horror? This is all things horror. Uh, we usually go over some news and we're going to be doing today trailers for upcoming movies, uh, horror movies in 2021. And we are at that mark right now where we're going to discuss some of the upcoming horror movies that are coming out. This coming year, 2021, and let me tell you, there are some good ones. Let me adjust this window here a second. There are some good movies. Uh, I'm calling 2021 the year of the sequel because we are getting a lot of sequels this year. And I've set up uh, trailers, official trailers for the movies, some prominent movies that are coming out. And, of course, Halloween Kills was supposed to come out this past October. It never did. It got pushed back another year. 
because of the COVID pandemic that was going on. There you see Michael Myers in that very creepy mask. So I'm sure all of you guys have already seen it. But let's go ahead and check out the trailer that we have so far of uh, Halloween Kills. So let me bring that up for you. And let's go ahead and check that out. And here it is. And there we go. Check this out. Next Halloween, when the sun sets and someone is alone, he kills. So there you guys have it. Halloween Kills set to premiere on October 15th of 2021. Uh, it sucks that we have to wait a whole other year to see it. Uh, any trailer. I just want to make a disclaimer. Any trailer uh, is going to look, it's going to make the movie look amazing. Any movie. And then you go and it could be the worst movie you ever saw. Uh but I think this is going to be a good one. Halloween 2018 was great. I think this is going to be great. And then there's the third one that's coming out in 2022, which has the title of Halloween Ends. Will it really end? I highly doubt that. As long as the name Michael Myers continues, continues to make money for movie studios, they are going to keep throwing him out there and keep bringing him back every way they possibly can. Uh, Philip writes, who? Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. The screen queen herself. Uh, JD Smith on Twitch writes, good point about the trailer. I'm not too excited. The script was written so damn quick. Not a good sign. And we have a lot of characters from the original Halloween that are coming back in this movie. Anthony Michael Hall, I believe, is going to be playing the role of Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle was in the original Halloween, 1978. He was the kid that Laurie was... Uh, uh, no, sorry, that Annie was babysitting from across the street. So this movie was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina which Wilmington, North Carolina, is actually becoming a really big hotspot for movies to be filmed at. So, anyway, uh, let's go on with, the, with this list, okay? Now, how many of you guys know that they are making, they're bringing Candyman back? That's right. They are bringing Candyman back. Directed by, new, by newcomer Neo DaCosta, and written by horror master Jordan Pele, as well as Win Rosenfield, the Costa Candyman is a sequel to the original 1992 Candyman film that uh, picks up in real time decades after the events of the first movie. The film follows multimedia artist Anthony McCoy, whose obsession 
with the now fully gentrified Cabrini Green site of the infamous Candyman murders begins to take on an entire life of its own in DaCosta's stylish follow-up side. The new Candyman trailer gives us a whole lot of hints about what might go down in the movie, including a number of callbacks to the original, such as an overwhelming presence of bees and the imagery of Candyman that continues to haunt viewers. However, the movie looks like it's diverging from the original by suggesting that Anthony, sorry, Anthony might actually be getting possessed by the spirit of Candyman, as opposed to simply being haunted or hunted by him. So that is a different twist on it. Taking things to an entirely new level of scary, and yep, Tony Todd, who played the original B-loving slasher, is returning to the franchise. And I think that is the biggest news of it all. That Tony Todd, who played Candyman in the original movie, is coming back. Uh, he's awesome. Candyman's new release date is August 2021, just in time to kick off the Halloween season. So let's go ahead and check out the trailer for Candyman. The urban legend is, if you say his name five times while looking in the mirror, he appears in the reflection and kills you. Who would do that? Candyman. 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 Well, we're still alive. <laughs> Let's go. Trina, you broke the door. This isn't funny! I feel really connected to this neighborhood. Cabrini Green. It was a project. I just moved in around the corner. The old candy factory. I'm an artist. We know who that is. That's Strand. Coleman Domingo. It's part of this neighborhood. Why are you drawn to this? I'm hoping to spread the story all about Candyman. The mirror invites you to summon him. You should say his name. I dare you. Candyman. 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 Don't. Don't say that. Candyman. I brought him back. Candyman isn't real! Something's happening to me. He had a purpose for you to be another one of his terrible stories. I guess he found me. I am the writing on the wall. The sweet smell of blood. This is not real, it's not real. 
Now, tell me that doesn't look good, all right? I like the idea on how they're taking this as uh, Candyman being more of a paranormal entity that hunts, possesses, as opposed to straight out being a killer. If you notice, in that entire trailer, you never got to see Tony Todd, okay? He's more of a phantom. I'm sure we're going to see him in the movie, but that looks really awesome. And somebody made a correction that you are absolutely right. In the original Halloween, Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, was the one that was babysitting Tommy Doyle. And uh, Annie, uh, Laurie Strode's uh, best friend, who was babysitting across the street, was babysitting Lindsay. So, got those two confused. So, my apologies on that. So, let's see. Now, A Quiet Place Part 2. How many of you guys saw the original A Quiet Place, uh, the Netflix original? It's... Uh, it's a really, really good movie. Obviously, they're making a sequel to it. Basically, Earth was invaded by aliens that are attracted to sound. And the only way to avoid them is you got to be dead silent. Pardon the pun. You got to be dead silent in order to survive them. If you make even the slightest noise, that's when they hear you. And they can hear you from miles and miles of way. So I'm, it was a great movie. If you haven't watched the original, get on Netflix, watch it, because the sequel is coming in 2021. Uh, let's read what it has to say. The Office alum John Karinsky made a massive pivot from comedy to horror with A Quiet Place, a surprising box office smash that was written and directed by comedian-turned-filmmaker. Set in an apocalyptic world overrun by human-eating monsters who respond to sound, the Abbott family has figured out how to make their life work until a series of tragedies unfold, including a key character death and chilling ending where a postpartum Evelyn and her surviving family members must face a growing horde of monsters. While details of uh, Quiet Place Part 2 are sparse, the teasers hint that the remaining abbots will have to leave their farmhouse sanctuary and venture out into the world made hostile, not just by flesh-eating monsters, but of course, by humans, who have been so severely damaged by years of this ongoing trauma. A Quiet Place Part 2 will feature the same original cast, including John Korsinski in flashback, as well as adding Cillian Murphy and uh, Jaiman Hansu to the ensemble. The tentative release date is April 2021. And I see a lot of you uh, guys have seen A Quiet Place. Lisa has, Khaleesi has. Uh, J.D. Smith writes, the first Quiet Place was a good romp, wasn't blown away by it, but it's certainly not a waste of time. No, it's not a waste of time. Let's go ahead and check out the teaser for A Quiet Place.
Mom. Just stay here when those aliens invade. Holy, did you see that hand coming out of the bus? Did you guys see that? That alien hand? Humanity for you. I like the fact that uh, we got a lot of flashbacks to how that all started. I think that's great. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed in that scene where she's backing up from the oncoming bus. When she comes to a stop uh, out of the bus, you see the alien's hand starts reaching outside the bus. That was creepy as hell. Uh, it looks like this, this sequel might be better than the original. I mean, I've been fooled before, but that's a great tra trailer to A Quiet Place too. So I'm definitely going to watch that. And just when you thought that the Jigsaw movies, the, th no, the Saw movies were all done, he's coming back. Well, not exactly. But Spiral is from directly from the book of Saw and is getting ready to play a new game. And what... It makes this interesting. Well, let me go ahead and read it. The Saw franchise has seen its fair shares of ups and downs over the years. Sure, the eight installments, eight of them, have uh, proved serious gore, but as for quality, well, that's a bit inconsistent. Fortunately, 2017's Jigsaw puts, puts some new twists and turns into a stale plot. Presumably following in Jigsaw surprise vein, come 2021, we'll have Spiral from the Book of Saw, starring Chris Rock. That's right, comedian Chris Rock. He's not only starring in this movie, but he's also a producer uh, in this movie as well. Um, 
And he stars as Detective Zeke Banks, whose current investigation will possibly lead all the way back to the first movie. Now, we've known, all of you guys who have seen all the Saw movies, you know that with each new one that came out, they always like to tie it into previous movies. And they always love to drop these Easter eggs as to what's going to come as well. But Chris Rock isn't just starring in his first uh, ever horror film. He's actually a longtime Saw fan. One of the who, the, and the one who came up with Spiral's concept, as well as writing the story's treatment. The film takes place firmly in the Saw universe, but it isn't necessarily a sequel to Jigsaw. Longtime Saw collaborators are all on board the Jigsaw train for Spiral, with Darren Lynn Bousman directing and both James Wan and Lee Wanell signed on as producers, along with Chris Rock himself, and Samuel L. Jackson and Max Minghella will also star in Spiral, slated for May 2021 release. And May is the beginning of the big, you know, not horror, but the big uh, movie season release that we were deprived of in 2020. So let's take a look at this uh, trailer for Spiral. Again, this looks very good. Check it out. What do you got there? Oh, it's just my wife, Emma. This is my son, Charlie. Enjoy it while it lasts. While it lasts? Nothing happier than the wife of a new detective. Emma's cool, man. She's different. You don't know my wife. You give a woman 600 Tuesdays. It ain't worth three Saturday nights. How Chris Rock is fun. You gotta give him that. Got Chris Rock is fun. All available units, officer down. Detective Banks and route. did this has another motive they're targeting cops this shit's gonna go sideways fast there's that music someone's out there pulling all the strings You want to play games, motherfucker? I love Samuel Jackson. So what do you guys think? I mean, you know, you know, like I said, trailers can make any movie look amazing. But I like Chris Rock. I think he's funny. I've never seen him uh, or thought of him being in a horror movie but i'm this looks pretty damn interesting and you know you guys all noticed that they were playing the classic saw music towards the end of that trailer i want to see what the connection is 
and the spiral is the mark of uh, Jigsaw. So I, I have no idea what the connection is, how they're going to take this script, uh, how is it going to tie into all the way into the first movie? Uh, are they going to mention John again? Are we even going to see John again in this movie? A lot of questions that we just have to wait and find out. Now, next on the list, this is the movie that I am anticipating the most. And that is the third Conjuring movie. For those of you who have been watching me for a while, you guys know I'm a huge fan of the Conjuring universe. The Conjuring movies themselves, the, of course, Annabelle, The Nun, and so on. Um, also known as Conjuring 3, this one's called The Devil Made Me Do It. The newest installment of the popular supernatural franchise, The Devil Made Me Do It, will be the eighth film in the Conjuring universe, even as it's a even as its direct sequel to the first two Conjuring movies, featuring the great Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson as paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, those are real people, by the way. The Conjuring 3 follows the infamous real-life 1981 Arnie Cheyenne Johnson murder trial, which was the first time in American legal history that demonic possession was used as a not-guilty defense. Johnson's, Johnson's defense was laughed out of court but he served only five years of his 20-year sentence. We can imagine The Conjuring 3 will be suitably dramatic with its court scenes, as well as featuring its usual level of jump scares, heightened by a truly disturbing story and subsequent crime. The Conjuring 3 is directed by The Curse of La Llorna, Michael Chavs, uh, if you guys want to see a good paranormal movie, The Curse of uh, La Lorna is a really good, good movie. Uh, it's a Spanish movie, subtitled in English, but it's awesome. It's really scary. And Conjuring franchise founder James Wan has signed on as producer. The Devil Made Me Do It should hit cinemas and video on demand on June in June 2021 and to be exact it's going to come out on June 4th 2021 now there is no official trailer to the conjuring the devil made me do it as of yet uh i don't know why but there is a little sort of behind the scenes special that i got ready for us to watch it's really short but let's go ahead and check this out We know there are other stories to tell, but we've never felt the pressure to push them out there until we feel like there is a great story to tell and that we have something that, again, will be a worthy entrance to the Conjuring universe. I'd like you all to sit quietly and close your eyes.
I really wanted Conjuring 3 to get away from the haunted house setup of the first two Conjuring films. It should be more on a whole different level, something that we've never explored before in the Conjuring world. We wanted to keep our new story grounded in the feel of Conjuring movies, but we wanted to make sure we were telling a brand new story. And we think the Arnie Johnson story was something that really deserved a much closer look. As I got to the bottom of the stairs and I went to open the door, I don't remember anything from that point. The next thing I know, I was in a jail cell. And I said, what's going on here? And they say, well, you're being charged for murder. I said, well, what are you talking about? The trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. This was an internationally renowned case, which was the first time in the history of law in the United States that yeah. That demonic possession was used as a reason for committing manslaughter. Do you think you'll be able to prove the existence of the devil in court? Truth doesn't require anyone to believe in it. You're in for a much different ride than you've been on in other Conjuring films. What's the point of a sequel if you can't outshine and outstory <laughs> and outheart the previous films? It just requires you to bring your A-plus game. When I was working with Michael Sharves on La Llorona, I saw a filmmaker that really gets these kind of films. It's bittersweet for me to pass the baton on. And action! But it's good to get a fresh take on where we can take the Conjuring universe. We're offering something very special with these films, and I think that's one of the reasons people keep coming back. The final reason, of course, is that people love to be scared. I don't know that anybody has crafted or created better scare sequences than James Wan, David Sandberg, Gary Doberman, Corn Hardy, John Leonetti, Michael Shavs. Guys, we're making Conjuring 3. It's going to be awesome. These are all people that really know what they're doing, and they do an incredible job crafting new and original scare sequences. That's really what people come back to see. Now, you know, like I said, I'm a huge, huge Conjuring fan, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing this. Uh, I like the story that they picked. Uh, they're right. That murder was the first ever where demonic possession was used as a defense in court. Uh, I want to see all the twists that they're going to put on it. I like the fact that they don't follow the real life story, which movie ever does anyways. Uh, and they make it really twisted. But what makes the Conjuring universe so amazing is the scares. Uh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I hope they stick to that. They don't really move away from that and make it more of a psychological paranormal movie. I really do hope they stick with the scares because for me, that's what nails it. Now, we have time, barely enough time. One more movie, Morbius, okay? This is another movie. I don't know how many of you guys have heard of it is going to inject some horror into the super horror genre. Following in the highly esteemed footsteps of fellow Marvel accidental vampire Blade, uh, Morbius tells the story of Michael Morbius, played by Jared Leto. Jared Leto played the Joker in The Suicide Squad. A human turned bloodsucker, thanks to the side effects of a cure for his rare blood disease, Unlike Blade, though, Morbius might be a vampire, but he has none of the qualities we have come to expect from the supernatural species other than super strength 
and Extreme Bloodlust. Also starring Doctor Who alum Matt Smith as Morbius's best friend, Adria Arjona as Morbius' fiance, and Jared Harris as Morbius's teacher, Morbius will be part of Sony's Spider-Verse and in the same vein as Venom. So let's go ahead and check out that trailer and uh, see what we think about this. Here we go. Michael, I've known you since you were a child. You have a gift. You always have. If there's an answer to your disease, you'll find it. I should have died years ago. Why am I still here if not to fix this? I have a rare blood disease. And I'm running out of time. This could be my last chance. You're up to something. What is it? That's not exactly legal. I want to see you get hurt more than you already have. This would be a cure. At what cost? So there you guys have it. It was a very short teaser. Uh, looking forward to it. It's from the, you know, Marvel makes great movies. Part of the Marvel Universe. So I'm really intrigued by Morbius. Anyway, guys, we are out of time for tonight. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we are off for the next four days. This is our last episode of 2020. We'll be back with you on Monday, January 4th to start off the new year. I hope everyone has a safe and happy new year. Uh, like I said, above anything else, just be safe out there tomorrow and Monday, sorry, Monday, uh, we'll be back on the air. Check out our website at deadtalklive.com. Check out our YouTube, Twitch channels. Uh, all our social media is under Dead Talk Live. Uh, so please be safe out there. And above all, remember, stay walking. Happy New Year. <laughs>